The Dot Connectors, brought to you by Omnia Global. Hi everybody and welcome back for another episode with yours truly. And in this episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Morton Bove, who is CEO of Vaughan Homes. And we kick-started the episode off with a discussion around the housing market, a topic that many of us can relate to. We either own a home or we aspire to own a home. But actually, we got onto the really important topic of this housing crisis that we are seeing unfold in developed countries and in cities in particular. And I'm not just talking about a lack of supply, I'm talking about the huge disparity between property types that you can find within a city. And the fact that actually, for many people, property is not very affordable. And it's impacting the diversity and the culture within cities. And we spoke about, actually, do we need homes that are as big as they are. Many of us buy homes and we increase the size of them because perhaps it suggests that we've been more successful in life, but do we need to change that model? And more importantly, does Vaughan Homes have the solution to help solve this housing crisis? So sit back, enjoy, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Morton, welcome. How are you today? Fine, thank you very much. I'm, I'm, I'm fine, thank you, and thanks for, for, for having me. You are more than welcome. And as I ask every guest that we have on to our podcast, where in are you in the world right now? Give me something glamorous, please. I hope it's glamorous anyway. Uh, glamorous is not, but uh, <laughs> I am in Denmark. I'm in, in a town called Solway, which is 80 kilometres uh, lobby west of uh, Copenhagen, um, oh. the, at a kind of co-working space where sort of well, the what well, the company going to talk about it today as well is kind of founded and established, and that's where I am right now. So mm-hmm. eighty kilometers west of Copenhagen, Denmark, grey-ish. If I look out the window, so um, <laughs> a bit like I the UK, I guess. I was going to say I don't need to look out my window. I can probably predict it's grey and not very sunny. Great. Well, look, let's get get going. Um, I like to ask every guest sort of t- so that our listeners can sort of get a bit of context uh, into to them as a person before we talk about their business. Um, I ask them, tell me a bit about their background and obviously your background uh, and sort of career highlights, I guess, that have led up to, to the present day. Sure, sure. Well, basically... My kind of career started a completely different place where where I am now. I I, I kind of started in an English company actually called ICI, very British Imperial Chemical Industries, which is not around anymore. Uh, they worked you know, in in marketing, business development, and sales on a kind of European platform for some ten years or something. And then I moved on to um, to IT. We were one of, in the Swedish company where we're one of the first ones who actually worked with. Cloud computing, which is basically, you know, what every computer today is about cloud computing, but they were very early out and maybe also too early. And then from there, I moved on to basically starting my own company within concept development and design. I started at a design studio. I've been there for some, I don't know, 10, 11 years or something. And in, suddenly I wanted to have sort of a real product. You can say when I was in design, I was working as a kind of consultant, you can say. I want to, to sort of go back, have a product. Uh, and in the process, we actually started a co-working space, my wife and I, where this product, which is 3D printing of homes, was kind of established with the folks I, I, uh, I met here. So many ways you can say it is going full circle, going from material mm-hmm. science and chemistry 
onto an IT or technological platform, which is today now the 3D printing we approach and use in Vaughan, and then onto sort of design aesthetics, which is also about housing and homes and so on. So it's a full circle. Uh, it was not a career plan, but it came out like that. So in many ways, it makes it makes a lot of sense, basically. But I've been a few places, but that, that goes with age also. The, the older you are, the more places you can go. I mean, I wasn't going to go there, Morton. I mean, that would be rather punching me. But but I think, you know, I had this conversation with somebody the other day and, and I do think that sort of the, the much younger generation who I think are shown quite early on through social media, I'll set up a business and you'll get rich quick. I think they're trying to possibly skip over those years where you get a job and you go, oh, I like it. But what's the so what of it? And you're waiting, I think, for that can, that moment where you go, where, where's my where's my work home, if you like? Where is my comfort zone where I'm best placed from a personality perspective, mm-hmm. but also in terms of how I work? So, yes, whilst you've, you've gone into different areas, we'll, we'll talk about uh, your business, Vaughan Homes, later. But actually, when you look at that combination of kind of seeing the, the probably not so sustainable industry that you first started off in then going into tech then going into the creative side all of that actually adds up very very nicely i think for your kind of business yeah very much it's a very strong influence which you could argue some people if they stay in one lane all of their career they're not going to necessarily perhaps dip into tech or dip into creative so yeah you joke but i think you've got a very very good background actually and i think it's it's a lesson for, for any budding entrepreneurs listening to this that earn those spurs and do those jobs that might not make sense at the time but actually will do in in due course so yeah thank you true it's, it's, to me it's also about you know the, the phrase around lifelong learning uh, mm-hmm. which is the thing it's definitely the thing one thing you graduate in some kind with some kind of degree in some kind of area that's cool that's, that's that, that might be where you start uh, but actually, I know very few people who actually do and work with today with their, their graduation. Yes. It is a lifelong learning thing. And also, what do you make out of it? You know, say, all right, actually, I'm curious. I also want to explore that area. Uh, mm-hmm. So the lifelong learning issue is a thing. Either start going to school or just, you know, do the work, do the stuff. Be, be, be curious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's, that's a long to a large degree, the approach I have have uh, have taken basically. Uh, being, I'm super curious with everything. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, and, and that's you know that's how I am, and, and I like to do stuff to create. Go into entrepreneurship is really a question. But do you do you like to hustle? Do you find it's cool to live on a rock, but you have zero money because you make zero money because you want to create this thing because it's really the the mission, the purpose, which. Yes is the reason why you do stuff. That's, to me, the core of entrepreneurship. And yes, there can be a great reward, absolutely. But I don't think that's the reason why you should, should do it. You should do entrepreneurship because you want to change things. Uh, you see something which is wrong, you want to change it. And that's mm-hmm. where this kind of very mission-driven kind of organization, organizations are actually built. Yes. So, um, and that's what we want to achieve. You know, that's the reason why I, I, I do this. You know, I, clearly, there's a big sort of financial goal at the end. That's cool. Um, but honestly, it is the mission uh, uh, I'm on and my co-founder is on and the folks we're going to employ, employ the, the, there's a real sort of mission-driven reason why we do this. We want to create change. And that's the strongest drive you can ever have. That's, that's fire you have inside you that drives you, you, you forward. I love so, it. But I came from, you know, 
old, boring, still interesting, or, or, or old conservative, I should say, so chemistry mm-hmm. <laughs> and material science and in uh, entrepreneurship. I love it. And I like I love listening to you. I, I can see you doing a TED talk on a stage and, and whether it be really on, on, yeah absolutely I mean go ahead and apply I think you'd be great and and I think it's you're right this sort of again I had another conversation the other day but you know what we need to be running is not just companies but actually leading a cause and actually having those two intertwined I think is where the world needs to be because it's becoming very very commercial as I said this get rich quick concept i think it's quite dangerous i mean what goes up likely comes down at some point that's just as we discussed before the ups and downs of life the ups and downs of work and so forth but Mm -hmm. i think absolutely i concur mission fire in your belly whatever you reap you know it's not just money it is about actually i'm moving the dial along and i think what that also gives you is that that resilience when things do come down and you go, well, I'm gonna, this is this is I'm gonna get there again, you know, and, and there is failure in life, but you know, if you've got that fire in your belly, you're willing to come back out again and give it another go and try in a different vein and huge component. But look, let's let's um let's do a bit of scene setting before we get into Vaughan Holmes. Um mm-hmm. and talking about um the housing situation and we're talking sort of in in developed countries um and and the differing sort of standards of living in cities in particular property types and and i take an example that i i see a lot i'm in the uk but let's talk about london you know in london particularly places like west london you can go along a street and you can have one one end of the street, you know, somebody living in, you know, a very small one bedroom, maybe studio apartment. There could be two people in there, maybe with a baby. And then a few doors up, you can have somebody living in like a four, four story townhouse with a garden worth millions of pounds. And just this huge disparity when you go to cities in in the kind of the the the, the, the property type sort of element. And I've always wondered, I guess particularly as I've grown up, you know, is there this sort of assumption that, you know, if you've got a bigger house, you've done, you've done a better job in life, you've been more successful. But tell me, what's your view on kind of the disparity in cities when it comes to, to to property types? What what do you think are kind of that is, is is that a big issue that you can see that's just going to get bigger and and create a bigger problem in cities? Two things here. I drew you up to today and in the past, obviously, having a big house, having a big car, having, you know, showing your kind of wealth through things, that is a thing and that was a thing, definitely. I just see, see that's changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, being responsible, uh, showing responsibility um, is now an even, or will become, that's what I envision, will become an even stronger parameter of how successful you are. Success mm-hmm. comes with being responsible. And it's yes. nothing to do with such or making money. It's cool making money, no problem. I have no problem with that at all. Uh, so, but read about how do you spend them? Because the problem is, spend goes with uh, consumption. And, and, and if you become the most stuff you consume, most likely the larger CO2 footprint we do, we basically use more resources than what the globe can kind of produce on an annual basis. We have this drug, Earth Day, which comes in August or something. Uh, uh, on an average basis for the world, where the world's sort of resource is spent for that year, but we crack on another five months, mm-hmm. which basically is sort of killing the globe, 
you know, this is in, in very kind of high level terms. But honestly, in terms of housing, uh, yes, the, the, there's a huge housing issue, a huge, huge housing problem in every place in the world. Uh, it, it, it has different kind of phases, but it's the same thing. The, the demand for affordable housing is a thing. The problem today is that um, there's not enough affordable housing. What happens? You have urbanization, which is a cool thing. 200,000 people move to a city every day, you know, on a global basis. They all need a place to live. The, the cities cannot supply. There's an undersupply of homes, which means the prices go up of those homes are already there, which means if those people move in there, they find it even more difficult to basically pay and, 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 and afford for, for, for a decent home. At the same time, you know, one of the other mega trends kind of going out there is that 40% of the families are now based on a single income, which means there's less money around. There might be singles per se, or it's just a single income uh, family, so there's less money around. That again calls for uh, more affordable homes. And then at the same time, we have to think about the footprint we do as human beings. Um, and that's where, going back to this responsibility issue, thinking in homes as, you know, the bigger home, the better. I think that's that's totally wrong. And also, the cities cannot supply it. We need to learn how to live denser, uh, to live closer, to live smarter. For that reason, we have to think maybe more in meter cube, that is, use the whole kind of area, the whole kind of space in your home rather than meter square. So we actually had to change the language. We have mm-hmm. to talk, you know, this home is so and so many meter cube rather than so and so many meter square. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, um, and that language is not there yet, clearly. That 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 will be sort of paradigm shift just in the way we speak about homes. But definitely it's a huge, huge sort of demand for affordable housing. What's interesting here, it's not just me mm-hmm. saying that. It's been some McKinsey, you know, one of these very big um, sort of research and consultancy agencies. They said actually 2 billion people in the world, which is a quarter of the global population, are in a demand of an affordable home. And the way they kind of calculate that's 2, 2 billion people. The way they calculate that is then if you spend more than 34% of income uh, or disposable income on, on, on a home, on rent or lease or whatever, then you're in trouble. Not much should go wrong. And then suddenly you cannot afford your home anymore. Then you don't have a home. Then you're homeless. Depending on where in the world you are, uh, uh, there are different kind of you know security systems. I come from Scandinavia. Clearly, our security systems are famous of being sort of very helpful. They're not by no means perfect, but they're very helpful. The other parts in the world go to the U.S., where the security system is kind of non-existing. You can be allowed to drop one two months. You're gone. You're lost. You're in the streets. So does your 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 kids. So. The point is, if we have affordable housing and we don't fall into that, I'm in a demand of an affordable home because uh, uh, because we can make the homes cheaper. That's exactly what we can do. We just need to change the way we build them and the way we look how, how big of a home do we actually need. If we can change that notion, we can also change, you can say, the, the risk put on families. And at the same time, the market is huge. We talk about some... $800 billion market in affordable housing, which is unmet. That's 1% of the global GDP. $800 billion, which is just wow. crazy. You know? And it's one, and to talk about 1% of global, global GDP, that's an awful lot of money. That's what's called your TAM, the total dress of the market. Um, again, it's not numbers I just I, I came up with. It's numbers coming out of McKinsey. Mm. So 
Personally, I don't understand why there isn't more people who look into the affordable housing game. But I think the reason why not that many people look into that space, because they are basically habits. You know, say we usually, all right, I, I buy a home, or I buy a piece of land, or I build, if I'm a builder, a developer, I build this plot. And the more price per square meter I can get out of it, the better. So that's the reason I have to buy, you know, for expensive homes for kind of expensive people or high value or high net worth people. But it doesn't solve the problem. And there are much more people in going mass market. And that's the approach which I want to take. Not so much for the money, but that's a cool thing. Because that make, that's actually what makes investors interesting in, in this. There's a lot mm. of potential out there. But I, I do this, I talked before, I said before, this, um, the mission of changing the notion of homes, the mission of changing the footprint we do as human beings. And home and home construction is one of the very big drivers of CO2 emissions, and we have to change that, definitely. And I, I can talk about this forever, you know, and make a monologue <laughs> about what, what's wrong and how we can change it and so on. So, um, but the, no, 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 make, it gives us space for your questions too. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's the passion coming through. And then just to go back to that comment um, about the McKinsey stat, I mean, again, not always bringing it back to the UK, but obviously it's something that, you know, I live here, I'm British. You know, sure. when I look at the cost of living, which is going through the roof at the moment you know whether it be for from an energy cost perspective or driving your car that stat about the percentage of people that you know if, if that percentage of their income is going on that their mortgage their housing situation and if that then is wobbled because perhaps the cost of living is going up not just that they lose their job but the cost of living goes up astronomically they should be in affordable housing that's that's frightening. And I do wonder whether, unfortunately, the words affordable housing, people go, oh, affordable, you know, it's not for me. Because, if again, it's this sort of the connotations, you know, oh, if the bigger my house, sure. the more successful I am. But if I'm in affordable housing, then clearly I'm not do, doing very well. And it's just, I think also, again, looking at planning laws, particularly in the UK, where, you know, not naming names, but certain developers as part of their Section 106 agreement will say, hey, I need to have a certain percentage of affordable housing in my development. If their development is a very, very luxury development, they go, well, I don't want affordable housing. So they then have the opportunity to put that cash sum into a local project, whether it be refurbishing a park or providing something for the community. But again, you're then getting a development that doesn't have any affordable housing in it because the connotations around affordable housing, everyone's like, if I if I go there, that that's not good. And so I wonder, you you mentioned the language um, around meter cube. I think just the perception of affordable housing, you know, it's about, I don't even know if the word sensible is right, but it's just about living a life where you can enjoy it. And actually, why have this huge percentage on your housing and 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 Again, do you need as much space as you think you do? Because my my argument is we don't. I, I don't think we do no. at all. No. By no, no means. No, but, not at all. But, and, and and that leads me nicely into my next question, which, you know, when I first spoke to you and understood more about Vaughan Homes and and the markets that you are um, first entering into, um, being around holiday homes and student accommodation, and we'll, we'll talk more about the business in a moment, it made me think about you know, this idea of do we need as much space as we have and how, you know, a family, for instance, can go and book a holiday home for a two-week holiday. You know, in a holiday home, what, you know, you've got to, you've got to share space. You, you don't have a separate dining room. You probably might, your kids might have to share a room. You probably don't have an office. 
house and you might not even have a garden you might just have a balcony and we we happily live like that and actually you could argue probably it reinforces our relationships because you're 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 sharing spaces you're eating together you're playing together you're you're also getting out and about into the community which again we'll talk about in a moment you know actually meeting people it's all become very isolating i think during covid um and yeah i just i just wonder actually is there something in that that you know do we do we need all these separate rooms that that we demand and and this sort of maybe a starting point is saying to people you know that holiday home type concept is actually more than more than fit for purpose i think that's true that's true the reason why we start with holiday homes is the kind mm. of low hanging fruit yeah. uh, of and you know, basically to be good in to be good at what we are supposed to be good at basically building 3d printing these 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 homes but with you if we we do not need the space of uh, 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 which most people might might have today, and mm-hmm. we're back to this notion about where does the prestige lie? Is it actually having a shooter with many 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 sort of rooms and so on, or is actually is the prestige in basically living a responsible life, uh, yes. uh, basically? And this is not about consuming less per se, uh, but it's more about consuming correctly. Uh, yes. with what we we do. And you say the the, the, the the concept around, right, holiday home might be 40 meters square or whatever. I'm still talking meters square, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> uh, but they, if it if it is sort of, if the interior design is made correctly, uh, mm-hmm. uh, that's an, an awful lot of room, actually. And again, mm-hmm. move into meter, into meter cube, you have a you have different kind of elevated beds, you have sort of different kinds of sort of multi-purpose kind of furniture in there. We it can be, be be super cool and also be very very kind of efficient in terms of of your consumption per meter square meter cube whatever metric we use. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, many many solutions are out there. Mm-hmm. These kind of living in a condensed space from the kind of, you know camping glamping areas, these 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 the private sort of yachts that type of area. They also are out there. They're just mm-hmm. not used in private accommodation so far. Uh, um, so it, it's, it's no big job as such to basically take those solution, translate them, convert them into sort of, sort of more sort of daily living. It's absolutely possible uh, to 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 do it. We yeah. actually work now with a designer. We should work with a designer from the Danish. It's called it's called the it's called the Royal Academy of Arts, where they're also in Copenhagen, where they also uh, teach and educate designers uh, and architects, based about. That that process is about how can we create also privacy in a tiny home, uh, uh, and that's something about say how is it actually uh, how how's the interior designed, how's the interior made? Clearly, because we need privacy as well as as, mm. as, as human beings. Um, but we all and again privacy, or the more rooms, the more privacy you can get. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, but if you don't have all those rooms around, all right, how can we then sort of? design the interior of a home in a different way so we can both be together but also make get some kind of privacy as well when when we need that yes Uh, yes. i'm looking forward very much to going to that concept because that could translate into all kinds of aspects with with, 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 with that no i agree um, i sit i sit in for example um I, i mean listeners you won't be able to see this but the tiniest it's small it's almost like Again, probably a British concept, a downstairs loo. I mean, literally, you could fit a loo and a sink in, and it's a tiny space. But it's very strange, I think, psychologically. I feel 
quite secure and it feels very private whereas if I was in this huge expansive office that was glitzy and glam yeah it looked nice but I wouldn't feel protected and, and interestingly um I I was fortunate enough I grew up in, in some fairly large houses actually and again my parents back in the 80s are uh, very much the bigger the house the more successful so you know we had this huge house and and I was always envious of my friends with the smaller houses and they used <laughs> the space so well because it seemed secure and more comfortable and and I'm in a situation where I've got a got a son and his toys are getting bigger he's getting bigger and we go well the natural things to move house and I go no I don't want to so I'm now getting a designer come architect to come in and go right how do I change this space to make it smarter basically so we've got stories exactly we've got privacy I don't just want to stick a roof extension on the top and make it bigger because actually I won't use it so I, I absolutely agree with you and I think we've got a lot yeah. to learn certainly in the UK from other countries because I think we are probably as guilty uh the guiltiest party of sort of having houses that are too big for what we need but mm-hmm. we've we've kept our listeners yeah. uh, suspended, if you like. Tell me all about Vaughan <laughs> Homes. Tell me in a nutshell, what is it that uh, you guys are doing and, and that kind of ultimate vision for the business? Sure. Yes, basically what we do, we, we 3D print uh, affordable tiny homes um, in one piece, basically. So it's, it's, and the way we do that, we upcycle, we take waste, we upcycle waste plastic, and wood fiber, uh, which basically sawdust. We take those two components, made our sort of our secret mix of how to do it, um, of which sort of upside into a resource of which we 3D print the homes, the worlds that desperately need. That's basically, basically what, what we do. It's all made in a factory, uh, which the first factory is in Denmark. That's where we are sort of, you know, working on making this thing work. And it is sort of 20 meter square home modules in one piece, which we then put together. Say one module is 20 meter square, two models 40 meter square, and so on. But we stop at three modules maximum. I actually like to stop at two models because, again, this is about reducing our footprint as human beings in all matters, in, 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 in any kind, also the footprint of our homes, coming back to the beginning of, of our conversation. But Vaughan, we 3D print. Affordable tiny homes, off-cycle waste plastic uh, um, in a factory. And they are then delivered turnkey to people's doorstep. You can say, sort of speak to the plot where the home's going to be, or we build, you know, work with developers and then they make this, this kind of this new community of, of homes. And the, the cool part is, this is basically, this is all about what I call go for the gigatons. You know, we have to reduce the CO2 footprint with 59 gigatons per year the next 30 years in order to regain the balance uh, of, of, the, of the globe. And what we do, we kick out concrete and steel in the housing equation, uh, which are the very big contributors to carbon emissions. Concrete itself contributes to 15% of global CO2 emissions. Not a concrete, but a cement. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and steel is in, in, in the same ballpark. So this is really about changing the notion of how we build homes and how we live in homes, how we source our raw materials for building those homes. And, and, and we, we, we tend to do that. We call it a super hack, basically, because we're dealing with affordable housing because we can supply affordable homes. We deal with waste plastic. The 270 million tons of waste plastic is kind of trashed every year. We upcycle that, turn it into a resource, 
And for every 20 million square home, we collect six tons of waste plastic. And then by kicking out concrete and steel, or you can say the house construction equation, we, 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 we knock down the CO2 emissions by, by 90% or with 90% compared mm-hmm. to similar size homes. So it's quite a lot by nice. just changing the way we think, how do we build a home? But again, I make this sound super easy. It is super hard. You know, it's the reason why nobody else has done this before, but we are very, very well on track there. So super the big mission is really about yeah. you know, the super hack, make affordable homes, look at the supply streams, um, get rid of, of waste plastic and, and knock down the CO2 emission of, 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 of the construction uh, industry. That's what we want to do. That's the mission we, we, we're on. And wow. And again, I, mean, I can talk about this forever. Fire it no, off, definitely. I, I, <laughs> I, do you know what? You've explained it in, forgive me, layman's terms, you know, and I'm going, yeah, why is that? Why has that not happened? As you say, you're, it's, it's, it is obviously anything that hasn't been done that seems obvious is, is naturally due to complexity. Um, and, and I think actually, as you were talking and I was thinking, okay, smaller homes, you can add, you know, two more, two more modules, but ideally, you know, keep to the two. I think I touched on this earlier, you know, with COVID, we've all become a little bit sort of hermit-like staying inside a bit more than what we used to, you know, where you'd go for a walk, you'd have a chit chat with somebody at the shop or, you know, we don't have to work in an office anymore. So we could just literally stay in our homes all week and not mm-hmm. really go out and get your food on, delivered to your door. You get everything. You don't have to move. And actually having a smaller home, it actually forces you in a good way to get out into the community and, and socialise. and You know, yes, you could work from home and that perhaps is like the, the idea around the design and the privacy because you might then want a fold-down desk, for example, because also I... I'm lucky I've got like a sliding door here, but I know a lot of my friends work in the places where they eat or in some cases still where they sleep. And I I need that separation. Um, So actually it will push you to go out into the community, which I think is actually a really Mm -hmm. big factor at the moment, isn't it? That that actually Vaughan Homes could really help to reignite, if you like. We could, we could, definitely. I think they're there. That's what we hear. We people see so many applications also for, for that kind of home unit concept we introduced. Talk about kind of kind of you know home units and prefab houses. That's not new per se, but the way it was really new is the way we kind of approach it. And then we are so keen on making you know it tiny. You know the world needs a smaller footprint per home or per per per, per person from today and onwards than what we have have done in, 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 in the past. So yes, get a smaller home. You can also make what's called an ADU, adjacent dwelling unit. Basically, you can have your office if you have to really separate, or you are a you know two parents, three kids, all right, 40 meters square might might be stretching a bit too far. Then then we have this a, 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 a kind of a home module in the back garden, which then when the kids leave home, we can take it away. Because oh. we need no foundation. The whole thing is these mo- these modules are also kind of um, trans- easy to, easy to transport. They are easy to move, and then we can put it on, on some other spot. But it is no concrete foundation. It's a self-sustaining structure, so you can just toss them around as you you want to. And again, con- con- what's really strange: a concrete made a house made of brick and concrete. You cannot move it because then it breaks. No. It's a super strong material, but it breaks. Yes, That's the reason why you need concrete foundations, uh, uh, and then it's just sitting there, and you can't. You know, if if you, if you want to move, you have to, to tear it down. Uh, That's so fascinating. Completely, 
completely different concept. And we see, we see many people, all right, we have this home. It has a certain size. I have two teenagers at home. Uh, 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 maybe I should have won a second, you know, for a limited period of time. Basically, you're talking about five, six years. Uh, 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 I have this kind of granny house, so, 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 so teenage, teenage house, ADU in my back garden or wherever I, I can have it. Cool. We put it there. And then we remove it afterwards. The reason why I talk a lot about we call our homes as a service, I think yes. the modularity and flexibility is one of the important drivers here also. You know, you can say, you can say a person needs 200 millimeters square on average. Uh, I don't know what the number is, but that could actually be a metric we could roll out. How many people are you in your family? Fair enough. We supply or a good rule of thumb is then you need this amount of, 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 of meters square. And then when your kids leave home, all right, we reduce. Not we, you yourself. There's no reason for you having all that amount of space around. And then if your homes are built in a way you can actually move them, then we take that that, that module, put it put it some, some somewhere else. That's what we what we can 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 do. So there are various end games in this. How we could kind of develop the 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 the, the future of housing. And clearly, my mission and and so that be the vision maybe. My vision is Vaughn could and should play a very important role in that, in really thinking a completed basic paradigm shift in building but also paradigm shift in living uh, yeah. at the same time but they go together a shift in living needs another way of building because so we can move the homes where people are where the where demand is yeah quite and that's what i was going to say i mean you think about you know you're almost sort of mirroring or working in parallel with life events because you know you start off i'm taking a very simplistic model here but you know you might be in a flat as a, as a couple, for example, renting, and then you have mm-hmm. your first baby and you go, oh, well, we were living in, you know, a sort of a busier place and now we want to go somewhere less busy. Okay, right, we can, we can lift up that first module, put that somewhere where there's a bit more sort of, you know, whatever it is, different location, closer to your family. Okay, we've now had the second child, we probably need another module. And then you kind of go, oh, well, people might want to move again. So you can move these or add another one on. Then if, you know, your your parents are getting older and you need what we call a granny annex. But then, as you say, then suddenly people then are having to say goodbye to their homes at, let's say, 50, 60 years of age and go somewhere completely alien. You don't. You just take those modules that you don't need away again and you're back to that kind of it's like full circle evolution isn't it it's sort of add add and subtract and and that is fascinating because when you look at the emotional value that people place on their homes and I always find that very strange concept that we all sell our homes and we're all obsessed with how much it's worth how much we're going to get for it not not taking any money off for it and then I think what a lot of people do is forget the emotional value that is built into their homes and actually they go Mm -hmm oh, I feel like I feel something's gone. And and they and I think actually with Vaughan Homes, that emotional value stays intact, really. And, and, and the memories That's... are contained within it, which is, yeah. is super, super important, I think. Well, look, I, 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 I think there is nothing but success for you. I'd be very, very sad and disappointed because this is something that... <laughs> It's, it's I would genuinely so it's 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 so needed and particularly as life evolves so quickly and I think you know we are facing political economic social differences challenges um another fact that we didn't touch on but but I know we spoke about is also the cultural aspect you know if we don't address the disparity in cities we're gonna 
have a very single track culture. We won't have a mixture of cultures, will we? It's and that's probably another no, no, factor that definitely. you can address. Today you can say cities get more and more in many ways more monolithic in the folks who, who live there. You know, it's mm-hmm. a ghetto, not a ghetto you think about normally, which ghetto is sort of sort of people, you know, who are this pair or whatever. Yeah. Uh, 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 but actually you're gonna have, you know, the 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 the, the ghetto of the of the very wealthy folks. Mm. And honestly you need you you need this melting pot. I, I think I said it before. You know, my favorite city is Berlin because that's mm-hmm. a melting pot. That's a melting pot. Culture, colors, uh, um, sort of stuff going on. Wealthy people over here, less wealthy people over there. It's really a melting pot. That is unfortunately also changing, but mm-hmm. it still has the vibe uh, as, as a city. It's super ugly, you know. It's not. It's not very pretty because uh, it's, it's, it's one 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 big mix of all kind of stuff. It but is. the 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 atmosphere again, this melting pot, and again, that's what we can apply because because if if you have this sort of monolithic kind of culture, because our monolithic kind of um, uh, in, in, was was called appearance in a town, all of this type of people, it gets super boring. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so that's one reason why we need those affordable uh, homes because we need people with a different kind of. Uh, uh, you know, characters and background and brought mm-hmm. up differently because that's that's where all the dynamic comes from. It's this 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 mix of opinions and 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 traits mm-hmm. and so on. That's that's what's that's what's super super important to have a sort of basically a city worth worthwhile living in. Uh, yes. uh, and that's what I, and that's the reason why we need to change the concept of homes again. Uh, so you always come back the whole concept of living, the whole concept of of, of, of homes. I spoke to somebody yesterday. Actually, I had a conversation about. I talk a lot about you know also tiny homes. You had you say, oh, what's the conversation of of affordable homes? Hmm, maybe we want to change mm-hmm. that. Uh, and the comment there was maybe also had to change the the, the conversation of tiny homes because that's some people when they hear tiny homes, it's kind of shed out out in a forest, like <laughs> super cool, but but not very <laughs> urban or not, not very kind of hard to scale. Um, so I just think while we're talking here, maybe because you talk about smarter homes, we need to live smarter. Mm-hmm. That requires smarter homes. So again, change the language, change the lingo. That might be actually which we should put more forward. It's not about yes. affordability. It's not about tiny. It's about smarter. We have to Quite. live and build smarter. Quite, uh, absolutely. Um, so. So, so, thank you very much. I'll, I'll take that with me home, so, so, so to speak. In that we've had that's a marketing a, session. I mean, we've come up with a really absolutely. Good I like that. <laughs> cities worth living in, which generally speaking, yeah. you know, cities, particularly with COVID, they're not quite back to what they once were. And and I totally agree. You know, I've got a small child, and and thankfully he goes to a school where it's very diverse. But I know that if you go to a school in certain areas. Uh, wealthy pockets of London there's not much diversity and and I want that because the world is diverse I want him you know much as it will break my heart I want him to go travel and and and, and experience cultures and if he can live in an environment where that's as standard I think that makes sense and I think that's a huge draw so no we've I think terminology and understanding what the issues are and it's not just We've, you know, of course, we've got to live smarter. We've got to look, you know, look after the environment. But I think it's more than that. I think it's about who we are as humans, about connecting with others and connecting with others that, that you know, you might not cross 
cross paths with if you if you carry on in a straight line as i always say actually you need to look left and right to see you know who else is there to influence you and, and like you going full circle you know you and your partner set up a co-working space if you perhaps hadn't done that you might not have had those conversations that led to Vaughan Holmes and, and, and conversations with probably a of people, you know, that you might not have mm-hmm. met walking along the street, for example. So there's, I think if you guys at Vaughan Holmes can be a catalyst for change in how we socialise, in how we connect with others, who we connect with, you're not just building smart homes. And that's the really exciting bit here. You're a catalyst. You're a, you're a change agent, if you like, for, for things that are much, much bigger um, than than simply, you know, making sure we live more sustainably. But on that note, I want to thank you for a fabulous conversation. Very insightful. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're most welcome. Thank and you. listeners, please do check out Vaughan Homes and, uh, you know, keep a track of them because I think this is, this is this has to be successful in my opinion it's it's a fantastic concept so big well done for for getting behind something rather complex and that fire in your belly is very very evident on this and it's it's a wonder all right (laughs) it is and listeners thank you once again for tuning in and please remember to rate review and subscribe